Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today we look at Ben Affleck's new film, Live By Night. He wrote and starred in the film, adapted from a novel, as well as Brendan Gleeson, Elle Fanning, Chris Messina, Sienna Miller, Zoe Saldana, Chris Cooper, and many more. If you haven't seen the film, just a heads up, we're going to be spoiling it. We've seen it, we're going to discuss it, we're going to discuss it at length. That's your heads up. Lloyd, we've seen Ben Affleck, we've seen him be good and bad. Where did you fall on Live By Night? Well, I personally love epic gangster movies that seem to have like five acts in it. You can tell the editor, William Goldenberg, uh, tried to shave off every scene he could possibly, um, like everything he could possibly do shave and, and everything like that he did. And uh, it do- this movie does move at a lightning speed, but I felt there were a lot of scenes that really needed to slow down so we could at least take in the characters and the emotions. I felt like the prison sequence, for instance, sped by too fast. Uh, He loses his father and he's in mourning for the loss of his girlfriend. Just all happens in too um, short space of time. And I, I, yeah, I think they needed to slow down because that was obviously a huge moment in his life that projected the catalyst for him to go out for vengeance. And then, you know, before I knew it, he was in Masso Pescatore's office asking for a job to take down um, the, the ex-gangster he used to work for. I think there is definitely a longer version out there that we'll probably see in the blue, Blu-ray release or something. But um, with Joe Kuglin's character, I'm just curious, Dave, um, what do you think? Do you think he killed those two cops that were chasing him when they when he was trying to um, escape from the cops pursuing him after he robbed the bank? Well, I mean, he gets concussed in the car accident. Uh, he's thrown from the vehicle. Just personally, I loved the car chase. The fact that they were robbing banks really reminded me of the town, and it's obviously a point of interest for Ben Affleck. I got public enemies. <laughs> <laughs> public enemies, there you go. I was trying to think of all the gangster movies I could think of. There's also Gangster Squad. Yeah, I heard that was really bad. Yeah, well, I was thinking, you know, this is critically apparently, you know, tanked at the box office. And I was thinking, you know, Gangster Squad didn't do great. Did Public Enemies do great? No. Okay, so people don't like gangster movies. Like, critically, it did fine Public Enemies, but just generally with audiences, I don't think they went for it. So, all right, America doesn't like gangster movies. Yeah, and it's interesting. That, what, what's a big movie that Baz Luhrmann did that's set in the same time period, The Great Gatsby? Gatsby, uh, yeah. Th- did that movie tank as well? I, I know critically, it, as with most Baz Luhrmann films, it gets the critics divided, but I'm not sure how well it went down with audiences. I know it had a big ad campaign. Yeah, it truly did. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio gets some butts in seats. Same way Ben Affleck is. Same way Ryan Gosling would have. Same way... You know, I mean, they're putting the best actors, Christian Bales in Public Enemies with, um, what's his name, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp, isn't he? Yeah. So, the best actors, but I think it might be the subject matter. Yeah, the audiences just might find that a bit too bleak. Yeah, so Joe is thrown from that car, and he's unconscious, as we see. He's concussed, he doesn't see the police die. Um, they die in that crash, He right? sees it as he didn't kill those cops, and the father as well. 
um, it believes him that he didn't ki- kill the cops. Um, who's played by is it Brendan Gleeson? Um, Brendan Gleeson's yeah, his pl- father. Yeah, plays his father. So he defends him against the cops, but he is punished by the cops. They see him as a cop killer. I personally saw him as a cop killer as well because, yeah, he robbed the bank and his intentions might be good. Like he might not be out there to kill anyone, but inadvertently with that cop chase he's responsible for killing those cops chasing him that's how i felt anyway oh look inadvertently certainly he is if he had it his way he would have driven away and escaped yeah exactly um it maybe should have shown him pull out a cop just out of a car just to see if he's okay like maybe the car's burning and pull him out it might be a bit too much but at least we would have got some I don't know, some semblance of why the father believes in him so much and protects him so much. Yeah, it's his son, but I just felt Brendan Gleeson saw some good in him. And he, you know, in the end of the movie, he is projected as a really good guy, just as a, you know, a really good gangster. <laughs> a, mm. a gangster with a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, he could have checked the pulse on one of them for sure. Um had some redeeming features there but but from that moment and his friends as well shooting at the cops with the shotgun I, I i know that trying to escape it's a classic cops and robbers thing but i lost the appeal f- for that character for me was lost at that moment because he was he is a cop killer and he does pay for it by spending three years in prison but mm. it just seems like um ben affleck's character was like oh i didn't kill anyone you know <laughs> Yeah. Look, I, I think this film was beautifully shot. Um, I'm going to say, first of all, the magic hour shot where uh, those dolphins are going underneath the boats and, you know, they're sort of just cruising along the Florida waters. I loved that. That was beautifully shot. Yeah, he brought in uh, the great Robert Richardson to shoot this. For me, there were a few things that were off-putting about the film, but overall, I thought it was a good experience. Same, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean... Uh, I've got little nitpicky things, but overall I thought it was it was good. One of my main problems was the voiceover. Yeah, same. I, I thought they, they could have either cut it by heaps or not have it at all. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking not have it at all. See, the opening scene where he explains that he went to war and he didn't want to work for anybody could have been easily interpreted through dialogue. He does mention as well that he fought in France, so you get that backstory without the voiceover. You're really dumbing it down for the audience. If the opening scene was the opening of those doors and walking towards that card game where Emma is his inside man. Absolutely. That's where I would have started the film. I would have started the film from after prison. Okay, interesting. Have it in prologue, the loss of his girlfriend, his dad fighting for him, and and he he just robbed a bank. And I would begin it just from prison, him going to that um, Italian gangster, Prescatore, and asking for a job. That's where I would have began the film, prison onwards. And mm. I, I think all of that could have been in prologue. See, so much of the voiceover was unnecessary, and, and I just felt like you're over-explaining it, and maybe the film isn't that good if you're just quoting the book. Um, so I had trouble with the voiceover and I kept thinking, are we, do we definitely need that? Is that bit necessary, that voiceover? My other problem with the film is I'm wondering whether or not Ben Affleck should have played the lead. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to get into that as well. Um, in particular, I, I read... Because I want to say off the bat that I actually really enjoyed this movie. I love the settings of this movie. Like, as as you said, from going from the harsh streets of Boston to the beautiful Tampa, Florida, and with that fantastic southern quality of the... I want to say it's swampland. No, it's not swampland. It's like island settings. I I don't know. It's just absolutely beautiful wherever that place is in the south of America. And I love the cultures that are inclusive in this movie, from Africans to Latinos and the Ku Klux Klan (laughs) and the Italian mafia 
coffee. I think all that is great. And I, I just love the variety in this gangster movie. Usually it's always Italians killing Italians, especially post-Scorsese and um, Francis Ford Coppola. It's always been like rinse and repeat. It's always been Italians killing Italians. So it's good in this one. We just get that variety of cultures um, interjected all throughout this movie. One of the biggest complaints is maybe this is too much hero worship on um, Ben Affleck's character and on Ben Affleck the star himself. It may be, like these critics were saying, this is a vanity project. And, like, yeah, it's always glorifying not only the character of Coogan but also Ben, the star of Ben Affleck, if that makes sense. It's so afraid to leave. I don't think there's one scene in the movie without... um, Ben Affleck's character. Oh no, sorry. We do get scenes of um, Fanning by herself um, and uh, uh, Chris Cooper and so forth. But it's so afraid to leave the presence of Ben Affleck's face for two hours. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Coglin. Okay, um, sorry. Joe Coglin. Not hundred percent, but um, yeah. I do feel like I said to to Tess, who watched this with me, um, I sort of leaned over and I said, I feel like I'm watching. A Ben Affleck has time traveled movie because he still felt like Ben Affleck. He didn't disappear into this role the way he did in Argo. I still felt like he was playing Ben Affleck to some degree. It's the beard that hit everything, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was the jawline, yeah. But, I, mean, I, I love Argo, by the way. I think actually all of Ben Affleck's movies are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the, the town, I thought he was a character, you know. Elle Fanning in this disappears, you know. Um, Sienna Miller, I had to look up and see that that was Sienna Miller. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, she did really well. And Chris Cooper is always pretty good. Zoe Saldana as well. I mean, I just, for this, I really felt like he was too much Ben Affleck and not enough Joe Coughlin. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about the review I, I, I heard. Um, again, I like the movie, but... I heard a review by some African-Americans who felt that this movie was a vanity project for Ben Affleck playing a gangster with a heart of gold. Like, he's a man... They felt like he was a man of the African and Latin people and speaks for them. And they felt really insulted by this movie that the only Latins and Africans in this world don't get to actually speak on screen unless they're sleeping with Ben Affleck's character. (laughs) And they also felt there was no chemistry at all between Ben Affleck and Zoe Saldana. Did you feel the same? Um, I didn't think it was as bad as that makes it sound. I was okay with with their performance together, their shared performance. I mean, I actually thought we're going to get to the ending, but, um, you know, when they had... Uh, one of them pass away at the end, <laughs> she gets shot. Uh, the child reacted so well. Yeah, um, that was brutal. Yeah, made the scene like completely amazing. But yeah, uh, she seemed to have a lot of kind of um, humanitarian projects. The whole I thought that was a bit too much when they showed <laughs> when they showed that they had a women's refuge as well. It's like on top of that, it's like, geez, why don't you build a golden statue of him next to the church? <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, that was one of the extra endings, the like Lord of the Rings style additional <laughs> endings, because there were three or four times it could have sort of ended. And I was like, oh, there's there's more. I was thinking like, uh, you know, that extra scene where he goes to see Emma and he talks to her. And I was like, OK, <laughs> as well, there's the extra scene where it shows them in their women's center and he has a child. And then when he's sitting in the cinema with his son after his wife's passed away and they see the name come on the screen of his brother, 
I was like, oh, now they're off to Hollywood. They're going to make movies now. Like, how many extra bits tacked on the end do we need? I was thinking when he walks away, gives the reins to Dion, and walks down those stairs, you could have almost cut to black then. So a bit long. Felt over long. Uh, and too many additional sort of endings for me. Um, this is all stuff, like, it's it's sort of minor, but it all adds up. I felt there was, like, just after hearing that criticism, I did feel there was a bit too much of that... It was oozing of liberal political correctness a bit, like the a little bit of attack on the church, so much of defending, like pretty much anyone who uses the N-word or who racially attacks anyone, anyone of Ben Affleck's uh, or Kuglin's friends is has the death sentence. They're going to die in the film. Maybe not horribly, but they're, they're going to get a bullet to them. You know, it just felt like it had this, maybe this, modern artificialness to the film when it needed to be really dirty? To be honest, every time they shot someone, I thought it was pretty great on screen. Uh, and there's that scene where they're talking to the upper Ku Klux Klan member and they say, then why the fuck are we talking I, to you? I and love that scene. They shoot him. That might be my favourite <laughs> yeah, moment in the whole awesome. film. And then 75 people won't won't say a word, like won't be witnesses. How good was the villain in it, the Ku Klux Klan guy? Uh, uh, I think his name is Matthew Maher's... Is that Mayer's character? Matthew Ardie, Marr, I think. Marr's character, Artie Prute, I think that's his yeah, name. Pruitt. Pruitt um, plays that awful Ku Klux Klan rogue. His voice is bone-chilling, you know? It is terrifying. He became more of a villain than almost Albert White did. You forgot about Albert White. The middle of this film was his film. He was the villain. And, I mean, you're not going to side with the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's clearly the villain here, but... I found it oversimplified the way they uh, just followed all the clan members home and killed them. Like, that would eliminate the problem. It's sort of just... Um, and as well, they say that in voiceover. That's another example of when you could have had Dion say, follow these guys home, and then had a quick montage, bang, bang, bang. Absolutely, yeah. Burning, you know, like another example where we didn't need that voiceover. I, I'm not against voiceover. I love voiceover in a lot of movies when it's handled well. But as as you said, Dave, I just felt it was so unnecessary in Live By Night. And I, I think Ben Affleck's a very good director, but this was a little chink of, in his armour. Like, he's almost been 100% in all his movies and he's done four so far which is remarkable and I think Live By Night is a good movie but there is chinks of it in his armour displayed in this movie and one of them is just his confidence in his storytelling abilities the fact that he has to rely so much on voiceover and I mean that might have been something that was added later you know that people might have watched the film and said I don't understand what's going on and they might have simplified it it's entirely possible like that's an editing room choice and something he didn't originally intend to do but when you're adapting a novel it's always tempting to lift the best passages and have them as voiceover she says something to the effect of if you corner the rum market you're going to be rich then they sleep together and then the voiceover says we cornered the rum ma market and we were rich <laughs> i'm like come on we can see that happening on screen it's a quick montage <laughs> you've shown us and you've told us <laughs> told us the, yeah, the a big rule of um uh, screenwriting is show don't tell uh, i thought the subplot with l fanning as loretta figs is that how you pronounce the last name Figus, um, Figus, maybe, and Chris Cooper as a father. I thought that subplot was absolutely fantastic. Elle Fanning really blew me away in this movie. That scene in the coffee shop with Ben Affleck was just sublime. Just a mm. simple scene 
that really sums up both their characters. Like he's a really nice guy, you know. Um, you you really stopped me. No one else could stop me, but you did it. And you know, just uh, and then he simply asks, "Oh, what now? What are you guys gonna do?" You know, just beautiful scene. And her ending, I found really interesting. I actually thought when the news was de- uh, delivered to Kuglin's uh, by his second uh, Dion Bartio, played by Chris Messina, that he maybe killed her, that um, sent by Pescatori, or maybe she just simply killed herself. That's totally believable. But the fact that the film had me in that 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 versatility in the film, like I I, I went both ways, is, is pretty interesting. It's a really good thing, and the ending for Chris Cooper's character was brilliant. We just see one shot of him, and I'm so glad they didn't use a voiceover there. <laughs> one shot of him sitting by the window, constantly repeating the words "repent," and then the next time we see him, he's wildly shooting at Ben Affleck's um a family home, and the composition there is. Phenomenal Ben Affleck's choice of camera movement, how we're just inside the house. We see Ben Affleck run out and then shoot him and then he runs back in the house. We didn't need to see a close-up. A lesser director would have showed a close-up, a slow motion of him going down, and it just would have been, you know, so over the top. By having it just all in that almost real-time editing style, it just made it so much more effective. Him coming in, seeing his wife dead, and then the baby crying. Ben Affleck is a very good director. Very, very good director. I'm not going to debate that. There were some beautiful shots on this film. And it's hard to debate it when, you know, he's so recently won Best Picture as well with Argo. The decline of Elle Fanning's character, Loretta, uh, I considered that as well. The books do have her killing herself and slitting her throat. And this, this film is apparently quite truthful to the book, though it's sort of vaguely... I mean, another theory people have is that maybe Dion was ordered to kill her. Yeah, that's that's what I interpreted, yeah, a little right. bit. But I'm going with Elle Fanning did kill herself, like you said, right. it's based on the book, but that did creep into my mind. Or oh, maybe Pescatori did order the the death of, and he went with it behind uh, uh, Kuglin's back. And another theory is that maybe the dad, uh, Figus oh, Chris Cooper, right. murdered her because he couldn't live with seeing her and there was maybe sexual abuse and stuff as well we got a hint of that when the whipping Mm -hmm. on her backside that was a brilliant i love those shots of the doorway we don't even really hear anything um like the sound just music and then he's just beating her and him crying um beating her over the back it's just brilliantly done yeah i mean i think the way it's handled does leave it open for questions which is a good thing because it has that versatility that ambiguity right yeah but for me, the performance Elle Fanning gives in that coffee shop where she says, I hope God is kind, implies to me that she she's going to meet him soon and hopes that he forgives her, which makes me think she was suicidal in that scene. She's also not wearing white. She's wearing off-white. There's a few things in that scene which made me think she killed herself. Absolutely. Yeah, which is how I interpret the film. Ben Affleck, you could tell, really, really wanted to do this film. He wrote the script, as you said, started it, directed it, armed himself with the best DOP you could possibly get, Robert Richardson, and also assembled a a fantastic cast. And this film looks amazing. It tells a great story of the American underworld. 
I don't think, despite the critical failure of this movie, and it's got like, what, 22% of Rotten Tomatoes or something ridiculous, I don't think this hurts Ben Affleck at all as a director. There is nothing wrong technically at all with Live By Night, and all the acting is top-notch. They're all directed phenomenally well. The only thing that I think... Um, can be a fair criticism to Ben Affleck in this movie is simply the script writing, the writing of it. It's maybe too ambitious. It does feel very crowded. I do agree with some of the critics. and um, But I, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. And that climactic scene, a battle sequence where the gangsters are fighting uh, Pescatori's men in that hotel, I thought that was brilliant. It was simply that they had um, terrain advantage, that they they had all those tunnels. So they were, that they were able to just swarm them from the inside rather than attack him from the outside. I thought that was a really good climax. Let me ask you a question about that. I as well enjoyed the climax. I enjoyed the fact that he had a backup plan and that he wasn't just walking in with Dion and it wasn't a bit of a suicide mission. But let me pitch you something. What if the Italian, you know, boss had said, I want you to go, you know, take over for me. I want you to take over all this business. We'll send Digger out to do what you were doing I want you to be here and run everything, right? He's like, I'm retiring. I'll be, you know, I'm an old man. You're the, you've proven to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can take over, right? What if he had said that? Well, he would have sent a message on his iPhone to everyone to stand down. <laughs> That's yeah, a good point, the, Dave. In the 1920s. Anyway, <laughs> um, and then minutes later, Dion would have shot the guy in the elevator. His boys would have run in and shot everybody. Had it not been an ambush, had it not been a betrayal... Had he not asked him to take a haircut, there was no way of him... He was committed. Yeah, there was no signal given at all, was there? Was there was zero yeah. signal, and I kept thinking that afterwards. Like, he should have had some signal or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, it was just like it started, and that was it. I've, uh, I've got a, an ending I, in my head, imagined, uh, and I just want to hear your thoughts. Obviously, it's true to the book. The film is its own thing. But for me... Do you think it's sadder that uh, that Joe has to live and raise his son alone? Like, is it more of a punishment that his wife is taken from him or is it more of a punishment that he himself dies? I think it's a punishment to live without without um, Zoe Zaldana, definitely. Because as his father, um, Brendan Gleeson's character, says, what you put into the world, like, comes back to you. So he's got some comeuppance coming his way. So he's, you know, he's murdered people, he's done crimes, illegal things have happened, he's been a kingpin in, you know, this rum trade, and he's had a pretty good time along the way. You know, it wasn't like there was a scene where Ben Affleck's face got burned or something. Yeah, I did. That, as I said with the prison sequence, it didn't feel like he was punished enough. Yeah, he does serve his time um, for three years, and gosh knows what the cops did to him just before. Like, there is that scene with um, him and his father in hospital. We don't really know how bad the cops beat him up in that sequence, but it felt like the movie was like, no, no, he paid his dues. Remember the prison sequence? <laughs> I, I'd forgotten all about the prison sequence by the end. It didn't sort of uh, resonate with me. The fact that he was a cop killer was forgotten when his father died and he went to prison because the prison sentence was for the initial crimes. But then later, he's, you know, he's still running around killing people and stuff. Even if he's not pulling the trigger, he's sitting there with Dion when he shoots the KKK guy. You know, they they kill people. Anyway. The idea of it was his closest friend seemed to die. And 
he it says in voiceover that his uh, close friend he never got to see old age and it would be interesting to know how he died maybe die in his arms or maybe he goes to his funeral or something like that just the idea that everyone he once knew his former world is slowly falling apart and you can never really escape from the villains of the past so to speak they're coming to get you and it does come, manifest itself in uh, Chris Cooper's character when he does um, go repent you know and he starts trying to gun him down that's definitely I guess the the punishment in the film see for me I feel like the fact that he gets to live kind of ruins the film the fact that he gets to raise his son even without his wife uh, he's not a nice man and his punishment is he has to be a single father which is his entire character arc in like um, Jersey Girl <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> that's a great comparison uh, for me what if you know there's here's two things Lloyd I'll run through them quickly what if Chris Cooper's character had killed him. He'd knocked on the door. Um, Joe opens the door. He shoots him just in the guts and he's bleeding out and he just walks away. You know, and everyone knows why he's done it. Chris Cooper's daughter, the person he loved most in the world, his wife has you know, passed away. Uh, Loretta was basically driven to death. And whether or not Joe was responsible, he had those photos. Did they inject her with heroin? We're not sure. How responsible, you know, were they just following and seeing what happened to her? Or did they push her to the edge because they needed to, to leverage the chief? It would have been he would have been justified in his own actions, you would think. That, like that makes sense, but at the same time, that sounds too conventional to me. Like Kalito's way, at the end, you can never really escape, and it still catches up with you. I mm-hmm. think by him have, being a single father, and it almost <laughs> it, it is almost the Jersey Girl ending, where it's so happy <laughs> in the end. Can't get that out of my head now. Although it's ridiculous, he probably should pay more for his crimes. It does make it different to, I guess, a more conventional uh, gangster film by having a happier ending. All right. Well, the other thing which I thought was going to happen when I saw the picture of Emma, played by Sienna Miller, I thought she was going to be bait. She was going to be his weakness. And like at the beginning, how he couldn't not want to be with her and it led him into trouble, I thought they were going to find her again, you know, have her in the background of this picture, you know, picture comes to his attention, whatever. And basically, when he goes to her to see if she's still alive, he's killed. That's a good... Yeah, I like it. I mean, that was what I thought was going to happen. I was like, all right, well, he's got this weakness for her. She was always his first love. He wanted to run away with her. Everything he's built, even though he's stupid to move away from what he's got with Zoe Saldana and, um, you know, his whole world and empire, he's got this weakness. You and it will be scorpion his- woman. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't um, Capone, like, done in by a woman as well? That would be, like, a nice... Nod to well, he he was done in for his uh, tax or something like that, tax fraud. I think you're thinking of John Dillinger was done by a woman in red. She didn't actually wear red, but I don't know. I could be full of crap. i got to double check <laughs> my history. <laughs> yeah, like some kind of um, a woman, you know, was his weakness. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Sure. No, I get you. Yeah. So, it I mean, it I kept... would have been more in line with the gangster genre, definitely. Yeah, and I sort of felt like for him to be watching movies at the end... Um, oh, my brother's in the movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That, that don't was know, the man. payoff with his brother, you know, leaving. Isn't his brother a cop killer as well? I don't know. Well, I was, never wasn't really... he one of the robbers at the beginning? Uh, one of the, like, when they're in Boston robbing banks, wasn't his brother there? Or did his brother leave ages ago? 
I thought it was his brother and um, his close friend that he meets up with in Florida. Those were the three guys and they were robbing banks all over Boston. I was never sure if that was his brother. I thought it was and then they both escaped and he got in prison and yeah, all right. Okay, that's entirely possible. (laughs) Again, I just want to emphasise I really enjoyed Live By Night. If you've listened to this whole podcast and you haven't watched the movie, I reckon go check it out because it's a really awesome epic journey. It's like a five-act movie. You go on this great journey, great scene a real great pool of villains with different cultures. I think Ben Affleck did a fantastic job here. I think the critics are just being way too aggressive because they expect more out of Ben Affleck. And if you look at Ben Affleck's previous films, yeah, it's like that, as you say, Dave, the curse of the Oscars. I think you mentioned that in a few podcasts ago. Once you win an Oscar, man, where else can you go but down? (laughs) Yeah, it's that awkward second album. Everybody loved your first album. You know, in this case, his third album, if you will, if you're talking films or albums. But, I mean, that's the thing. Now you've won Best Picture. If you don't win Best Picture again, like, everything is worse. Uh, it's very difficult to follow a Best Picture, surely. And it's the same with performances. You know, Halle Berry followed her Monsters Ball performance with Catwoman and everybody savaged that. And, I mean, it wasn't a great film, but it was worse because she had been greater the year before. For me, some of the best dialogue in this film really bleeds through well from the book, I'm sure, uh, where Zoe Saldana says, the pawn and the king end up in the same box at the end of the game There's of chess. There's a little, you know? short, uh, little shot of the chess pieces as well after mm. she's dead, yeah. Which I thought was nice, you know, like uh, good symmetry. There was really a lot to like in this movie. I mean, I even liked the costumes. I thought this set design was fantastic. Oh, yeah, I, just awesome. Where he goes to see Emma yeah, in that, uh, in that, before he gets... In that ballroom. Yeah. yeah, oh my gosh, she looked amazing. <laughs> and where he picks the press thing out of the guy's hat and tucks it into his, so subtle, but it was just so sort of good to see. And the stuff where, you know, this is heaven right here, we're in it. It's sort of nice, like, to think about, you know, life being the best thing that's going to happen to you. You, you said um, Ben Affleck shouldn't have cast himself in the film. Who would you have cast to see in this uh. role? See, I'm stuck on that. Yeah, I would have gone Ryan Gosling just because he's just destroying everyone at the moment. You need somebody. Let's let's pitch it this way. I don't know who to cast. People should contact us. Our Twitters and our Facebook and everything is at podmeifyoucan.com. For me, the person needs to be ageless in a way that they can age from a sort of baby face at the beginning. Oh, like Johnny Depp. <laughs> to a grown man. You know, you need to be a grown, grown up man at the end. You need to be charismatic because he needs to lead. And I think he needs to be tall enough you know, and sort of, you know, uh, muscular enough, like needs to be a physical presence. I'll tell you who came to mind, but I'll tell you also why he wouldn't work. And that was uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh, uh, yeah, I love Oscar Isaac. That's a good, yeah, good choice. um, Because he plays, uh, well, he plays Poe Dameron, for those who aren't aware. The the problem I have... He's too Italian. Well, that's not it. I mean, he is too Italian. Um, Some things would have to be considered... But there was a film called A Most Violent Year, which he was in with Jessica Chastain in 2014, and he played a sort of similar character, and that's probably why it comes to mind. But I think he would have been fantastic in this. I mean, I don't look at Ben Affleck and think he's particularly Irish, even though his father was. So I think, you know, probably somebody could have done justice to this role. I really don't know who I would cast, but... um, for me, it just felt too much like Ben Affleck being himself. And again, I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike this. I think the issue why this isn't going to make money, and it lost $75 million or something apparently, I think the issue is gangster films. I'm going to be honest. 
they're a difficult genre at the moment. And I think they probably worked a lot better when there was more gangsters around, you know, in this era and when it was being glorified in the, the decades to come. It's 2017 now and gangsters are not something we're so familiar with, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. It's all um, superhero movies now. Yeah, I mean, I did like the nod where um, she's listening at the door and he says, ask me anything about my business. Ask me anything. And there's that line in The Godfather, he's shutting the door, he says, don't ever ask me about my business. So this is really the opposite of The Godfather, (laughs) which is not great. (laughs) I love it how he gives the order not to kill Elle Fanning. He goes, no, no one touches her. While his Mm. whole, he could possibly die by not pushing ahead. With this one little girl is able to stop him fully in his tracks. You know, that's yeah, that was be- just amazing. Because he's not lost his soul at this point. Yeah. You know, he's not a bad... Like, the poster says Joe was a good man once, you know, and the poster is that shot of him sitting there with the silencer where he's about to shoot the guy at the end of the film, uh, the Italian boss. But this is, this is something he's got to build towards the whole film. I liked how it was particularly funny. There was moments where him and his buddy Dion, he was like, you shot me and stuff, you know. <laughs> And you couldn't help but enjoy it. You couldn't help but laugh. Um, There was tons of humour in here and tons of moments that were just like, oh, that was amazing, that was well shot. There was also, unfortunately, I found Brendan Gleeson mumbled too much. I couldn't quite hear the things he was saying. That's just how he normally talks. I know, I know. (laughs) But he's fantastic in In Bruges, you know. He's a good actor. And a couple of times Zoe Saldana, her choice to whisper, I was like, what? And I don't think it's just me getting old. (laughs) There was zero music playing. It was all soft, like, nice moments. But I had to kind of go, what? Like, just really listen in. And I don't know. Hoping it wasn't the cinema I was at. (laughs) Um, I suppose, you know, Prohibition films, they have a certain appeal. Sort of, there is something really interesting about this time. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Especially to um, movie makers. They love, because that period... Oh, oh, like although they came, these, these films were made in the '30s, but like Public Enemies, um, and others, Roaring Twenties. I, I, I can only think of Roaring Twenties and Public Enemies with James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart and so forth. Movie makers love those movies. They were just absolute classics. Those gangster films. Scorsese um, quotes them all the time. So there's just something so enticing for a movie fan like Ben Affleck, and it's obvious he is a huge movie fan. Just has to make you know has to put in his hat in in the Roaring Twenties. It's interesting how um, uh, Quentin Tarantino just doesn't seem interested in that genre at all. <laughs> in the Twenties at all, all his films are either you know westerns or um, uh, in uh, World War Two or um, in uh, Japan. <laughs> um, I did read as well that Ben Affleck delayed making this film uh, so he could be in Fincher's Gone Girl. So he really wanted to work with him and postponed everything about this movie. As well, I heard him on a talk show say that he got everybody he wanted. This were all his first choice people to cast. Probably because of Argo. Probably because of Argo, yeah. And like he probably the next funded the movie makes. just with his um, paycheck from Batman. He probably, he probably has an ongoing paycheck from Batman. <laughs> but that's what he's, interesting enough, that's what he's shooting next, the Batman. He's going to write and direct a standalone Batman movie, Lloyd. I just hope it doesn't have voiceover in it. The thing is, his character will probably never be alone because he'll have Alfred to talk to. So there won't be a need for voiceover. <laughs> there can't be a need for voiceover, surely, <laughs> in Batman. He's got to be the strong, silent type, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's anyway. got to talk in that Christian Bale voice the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who's Batman to you, Lloyd? Who's the best oh, Batman? Not Michael Keaton, but that, that's just the sign of my generation. But I'm curious, <laughs> you, you grew up the same time as me. Who's your Batman? Christian Bale? Christian Bale, okay, yeah. Cool. It's so interesting to think about who's who's somebody's oh, Batman. absolutely. For kids now, Ben Affleck is Batman, yep. and that's just a sign of the times. Yeah, no, no one ever says Val Kilmer or George Clooney, funny enough. No, it's funny, isn't it? It's either Adam West, <laughs> Michael Keaton, or um, Christian Bale, and now, of course, Ben Affleck definitely can be thrown in that pool. I guess you have to make two films. Who's your Joker? Heath Ledger. Okay. I'm still going Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so this is just a sign of the times too. <laughs> I mean, Jared Leto is not going to be many people's Jokers. Do you think Jared Leto is going to do the Joker again? I, I think he- so. I think they've just invested a little bit too much in it. I personally would just dump it and take it in a different direction. I, I Although I talked highly about Suicide Squad in our uh, podcast, I watched that again recently, the director's cut or the uncut version. It's terrible. It's so hard <laughs> to watch. I had to stop it halfway. It's so bad. I had problems with it too. I really thought, like, because the director has come out and said he wishes he'd made Joker the villain, like straight out villain in Suicide Squad, and that obviously that the whole thing is muddled, but it's the way they work towards a date and they go, right, we need this film in 13 months, go. <laughs> you don't have a lot of time to work on the script, therefore you don't have a lot of time to think about everything you're putting together, and yet yeah, really hurts Suicide Squad along the yeah, way. absolutely. What I would like to see, just to put it on record, is I'd like to see a film, like a superhero film, if we're watching like Spider-Man, for example... Um, let's say Homecoming, just because it's the next one. I'd like a friend character of his to develop into a villain during the course of the film, to be the villain for the next film, but to be a villain we've never seen before. You know what I mean? I'd also love to see a Marvel film or a DC film where they go, this is a brand new superhero. Want to know how he became a superhero? Watch the film. We know nothing about them. They don't have a comic. There's no comic book to reference to read up on there and to compare it to. Yeah, that'll take off a lot of stress. Well, I would love to see something original. If it's a villain, if it's a hero, I want to see, uh, you know, characters that don't exist in another medium yet. That's me, though. You want to see them take risks. Uh, They're not taking risks. (laughs) Well, I think they they found a perfect formula and they're sticking to it. They've made that cookie cutter and they're stamping it down. And to to Marvel's credit, it's worked a lot of times. I'm getting a bit exhausted with just how bad and bland the villains are, but I do really enjoy Marvel films. DC films are yet to find that um, formula. They're a bit all over the place. Let me ask you this. Are you excited about Logan? Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the last um, Wolverine movie, it, the, the one that was set in Japan. I just thought it just fall, fell apart towards the end of that movie. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I just really like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Well, this is the last chance, chance to enjoy that. There was a trailer for Logan ahead of my movie, so I got another chance to see some shots from the film. It was a trailer I hadn't seen, so it's fresh in my mind. And uh, I as well am looking forward to it. We'll definitely be covering Logan on the podcast. You guys can find a few of our back catalogue ones that might interest you. Elle Fanning was in a film called The Neon Demon, which we did uh, some podcasts ago. That's one of my favourite podcasts we've ever done, by the way. (laughs) Wow. There you go. It's a big endorsement from Lloyd. Um, Anyway, Elle Fanning, who clearly is going to have a big career, she's... She's at such a young age here, but her steps are going to be really interesting. I know she's doing um, like a Sylvia Plath, the Bell Jar. Uh, what's her name? Kirsten Dunst, I think is directing off the top of my head. You know, I think she's going to have a really interesting career and I think we'll probably try and keep an eye on her on the podcast. Uh, I think Ben Affleck, this isn't really a misstep. I think this won't hurt him. Like you say, he'll he'll be directing the Batman and then 
people just won't think about Live By Night. But it's so interesting that, like, the accountant also got horrible reviews he, for he him. He didn't have anything to do with that, right? He just acted in it, yeah? I believe so, okay. yeah. And as well, I mean, obviously Batman vs Superman's been savaged and we've done that one as well if people are interested. So, you know, he's having a rough time. He's, he's getting divorced to Jennifer, from Jennifer Garner at the moment. It will be interesting to see how Ben Affleck, you know, moves next. Like, what is his next passion project? Whether or not he wants to deal in kind of a period piece like this again. You know, Argo was set in the 70s and uh, the town was, you know, maybe 90s Boston or something. I, I but love his mentality. Like, his tastes in projects are just fantastic. I loved Argo. Live By Night was very ex- very interesting. Um, I, I think he's fantastic. He's a real gem of uh, Hollywood. I will say, this went for two hours and nine minutes, Live By Night. And the entire movie, I was invested. I was having a great time. It was just at the end when it felt like there were too many endings tacked on. Otherwise, the pacing was fine for me. And, and the problem with these films is you've got to wow them in the end. With no spoilers out loud, I was wowed in the end of La La Land, you know, which people say the middle of La La Land is like, you know, a humdrum or like just ticks along without plot. You know, people have issues with it. But the fact that we're wowed in the end is what may make La La Land this year's best picture. Gosh, damn, that ending blew me away. There you go. And, I mean, you can listen to that podcast as well. We did that a few weeks ago. I've had a lot of fun talking about Live By Night. Uh, you know, check it out, obviously. I think it's pronounced Live By Night. <laughs> Is it seriously? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be insane? <laughs> but she says the phrase, Live By Day or yeah. Live By Night in the film, <laughs> Sienna Miller. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Beanaflik. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can find more from us at podmeifyoucan.com, uh, all the back catalogue, as I mentioned, and also we have a YouTube channel, which uh, has been getting a bit, of, a bit of momentum lately. We've had interviews and things like that coming up. There's a lot of fun to be had in 2017 on Podme If You Can. I won't bore you with the details. You can find all the links at podmeifyoucan.com. Hit it. listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews 